0: we are listening to Draft Chat. Episode 6.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Draft Chat Podcast. I'm Zach and I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host Ben. How you doing Ben?
0: I am doing pretty well, and you know what? Instead of like getting into anything else, I think we should get right into the reason we're all here: our Zendikar Rising preview cards.
1: Okay, that's right. right. Why are you in this?
0: Granted, us not one, not two, not three, not four, but five preview cards. Oh. <sighs> yeah, that's right. We're gonna start off with my personal favorite, Forest. Can you believe they're reprinting? Oh my gosh, cards you're doing lands. Card? Oh my gosh, you know I was <laughs> really, really the, wondering where you're going with this. Um, let's move on to the second one. It's not the best card, but you know I think. Why do people, I feel like you're going to say island? <laughs> fans will still be pretty happy to see it. That's right. We've got island. Oh pretty gosh. good for triggering landfall. It can tap for counterspells. <laughs> All right, I think I think I've I've worn this bit out. <laughs>
1: I was really curious where you were going with that cuz I was like how well on earth do you expect people to believe we got a we got preview cards in the first place b we got preview <laughs> cards this early and Well I mean like I was and I was and we don't have anything in the show notes for that bit so I was really really curious where that was going
0: Oh I would never spoil that in the show notes Absolutely. Yeah I I
1: expect nothing less
0: um, well, I, I mean, there's like 15 different sets being previewed right now, so it, I know it's kind of hard, kinda to, hard to keep track. <laughs> yeah, and somehow none of them have fetch lands, which is yet you know,
1: double Masters yet. hasn't finished being spoiled yet. So, uh didn't they confirm it's not in this? I, I yeah, don't, I, I, don't think, I think I think I think you're right. Speaking of confirmations of yes. things that aren't in sets, yeah. no Eldrazi in Zendigar.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah i'm okay with this Uh, i like zendikar as kind of just an adventure theme plane
1: yeah it should be pretty sweet i'm curious if they're going to bring the bucket island back
0: oh but they've they've got to
1: yeah it's like a contractual obligation at this point isn't
0: it yeah yeah definitely
1: all right well before we go ahead and get into the main topic for this episode uh we just want to plug the patreon and the discord real quick uh you can check both of those out um Patreon is at patreon.com slash draftchaffpod and the Discord uh, link is is in our Twitter um, profile description. So you can go ahead and check that out there um, at draftchaffpod on Twitter. So uh, Ben, I've got a pretty... Well, it's kind of the gross pick, pack one, pick one. Um, <laughs> I'll read through...
0: Gross, eh?
1: A little bit. Um, I'll read through the cards here and uh, we can see what what you would take okay so first up we have rat colony this is one in a black for a two one creature rat at common rat colony gets plus one plus zero for each other uh rat you control and a deck can have any number of cards named rat colony not a super relevant piece of text for this format
0: well i mean we should talk about this format this is dominaria
1: oh that's true yeah i guess i didn't mention that uh this this pack is dominaria as you should know from the the episode title the whole episode is going to be on dominaria draft uh it's coming back to arena so we're pretty excited about that and this pack one pick one is dominaria draft as well
0: yeah right so dominaria is such a sweet format i'm excited to get back into it and it's got some you know as we like to focus on in this show some sweet commons and uncommons to deal with for sure that colony uh not one of them not particularly
1: um next up we have vidalian arcanist um This was just reprinted in M21. I'm not going to cover it too hard Mm -hmm. here.
0: Not nearly as good in this set as it is in M21. Agreed. Uh, And it's not fantastic in either.
1: Yeah, for sure. Next up is Grow from the Ashes. Two and a green for a sorcery at common with kicker two. Um, Search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. If this spell was kicked, instead search your library for two basic land cards, put them both onto the battlefield, and then shuffle your library. Uh, it's it's a fine fine card
0: I don't want to pack one pick one this but uh, it's still pretty good
1: although I'm going to just go ahead and spoil a little bit here we're probably going to be saying that about most of the cards in this pack
0: oh oh boy
1: (laughs) next up is Gitu Journey Mage 2 and a red for a 3-2 human wizard creature at common when Gitu Journey Mage enters the battlefield if you control another wizard Gitu Journey Mage deals 2 damage to each opponent next up is Mesa that's that's probably my
0: first pick so far Uh, yeah uh, that's I'm on I, that. Yeah, I agree.
1: Uh, next up is Mesa Unicorn. Two and a white, 2-2 two, two lifelink. Uh, sorry, one and a white, 2-2 two, two lifelink. Uh, mm-hmm. Basic, pretty basic creature.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm taking the Journey Mage over that. Journey so, Mage fits into the best, well, one of the best decks in the format, Blue-Red Wizards. It's a great common for that deck.
1: Yeah, it's also pretty good in white-red. Um, mm-hmm. And can be played in black-red. It's not like an all-star there, but... It's easy enough to pick up a couple of wizards. That it's not just a vanilla three, th- like three mana, three two. Yeah. Um, next up is Rampaging Cyclops, three in a red for a four four Cyclops creature at common. Rampaging Cyclops gets plus two plus O oh, as long as two or more
0: creatures are blocking it. Isn't that minus two minus O? Oh? oh, it Unless is. I yes. Just remember. No, you're right. You're right. Minus two minus two minus o. I I actually kind of like this one. Um, red has a lot of good removal in this format and a bunch of ways to buy it back. So if you're able to shock down your opponent's creatures so that they're never able to block with more than one, eh, yeah, then it's pretty good. It's 4-mana four 4-4. Four, four. But against anyone with creatures, this isn't really going to do what you want it to.
1: Yeah, I mean, at its core, it's a 4-mana four 4-4 four, four with downside. It's just... I mean, it's not, like, the best thing in the world ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is Frenzied Rage, which is 1 in red for an aura enchantment. Um, when enchanted creature gets plus 2, plus 1, and has Menace next yep next is invoke the divine two and a white Uh, (laughs) yeah already Um, next basically (laughs) yeah it's a yeah two and a white instant destroy target artifact or enchantment you gain four life next we have another aura arcane flight which is just blue for uh an enchantment aura at common that says enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and has flying
0: Sweet when you can put it on a cold water snapper. Oh, yeah, and for sure. Occasionally in on on a, some of the smaller wizards, but it's not a pack one, pick one or anything. Yeah.
1: Next up is Artificer's Assistant. This is blue for a 1-1 one, one flyer. Um, when, and it also says whenever you cast a historic spell, scry one. And we'll get into historic a bit more for those who aren't familiar with the mechanic. Uh, but mm-hmm. essentially it's just uh, a specific subcategory of cards. Um, so, it's a fine card, and it fits into the Blue-White Flyers deck, uh, which has a small historic sub-theme as well, but, again, not a first pick.
0: So that's all the commons, and we didn't open a single good removal spell or anything like that, um... Of which the set has quite a few. Yeah, there's a lot of powerful removal at common. I'm kinda on the journey, Mage.
1: So far, I agree with you. I think it has the highest ceiling here, and... Also, is just more open than a lot of the other cards so far. Yeah. Um. Actually, and I think it. Yeah, I I would go so far as to say it also has the highest floor as well. I think it's just all around the best comment in the pack.
0: Yeah, I think the other things you could consider would be grow from the ashes or. You know, I guess if you pack one pick one a rat colony and then. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna
1: if you're gonna go all in on the rat colony thing, go for it. I guess
0: (laughs) this might be the draft to do it. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so let's get into the uncommons here. Do you want to read those off for us?
0: Yeah, let's see here. So first we have Tiana Ship's Caretaker. That's so three red, white for a three-three flying first strike, and whenever an aura or equipment, oh yeah, it's aura or equipment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may return that under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, it returns to the hand, but yeah. Oh, hand. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Um. D- d- decent.
1: yeah it's okay um it is a dual color card which is kind of awkward and it's not the best i mean it is a signpost uncommon for for the color pair but it's not the best color pair to be in
0: yeah white is not really where you want to be and there's not that many great artifacts or enchantments in this either plus there's also not a lot of ways to get them into the graveyard besides when you have your creatures die with auras on them which uh, i wouldn't recommend that being your game plan
1: (laughs) right it kind of wants you to put a couple of bad cards in your deck just to make this card slightly better like (laughs) if my opponent
0: (laughs) my opponent sits down across from me and tells me my game plan is to put auras onto creatures and let you kill them (laughs) for for slight value uh all right
1: yeah right it's you're 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 pretty happy about that
0: um now next uh, up uh oh go
1: ahead yeah sure We'll move on.
0: Oh, so next up, we've got Elfheim Druid. One of the green for a zero two. 2 It's an elf druid, and you can tap to add green or tap to add green green to spend only on kicked spells. What does that mean? When you like kick the card as you cast it?
1: Right, yeah, you just punt it at your opponent. Oh, great. Um,
0: I-, I love punting at my opponents.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is something that uh, I've heard you want to do from time to time. <laughs> um, for yeah, those who don't so know, well. kicker is uh, a... I don't know if it's evergreen at this point. is it is it considered? It's not considered evergreen right
0: now. I don't think so. No.
1: Yeah. Well. Anyway, it's it's an extra ability. Um. There's some amount of mana attached to it, and basically, if you spend that extra amount of mana to cast the spell, you get some extra effect.
0: Mm-hmm. This is probably my pick right now. I think.
1: I think Drew is solid. It fits into pretty much every green deck in the format. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you don't care about kicking spells or you don't have a ton of kicker spells to cast, you're going to like. Just by the nature of this set, uh, you're going to have probably one or two almost always. Um, and otherwise, yeah. it's a land of war elves that's a little bit more expensive.
0: Yeah, it, you're going to be playing five and six drops in the green decks. And if you can pick up something like a, a Bayloth Gorger, then, you know, this is perfect with that. The sure. last uncommon is Sentinel of the Pearl Trident. So it's a 3 3 merfolk soldier with flash. And when it enters the battlefield, you can exile target historic permanent you control. If you do. Return to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So this can blink historic stuff, stuff like artifacts, legendaries, sagas?
1: Yes, those are the three. Uh, artifacts, legendaries, and sagas.
0: This card looked better than it was. It's fine, but uh it, it's really undersized. So you need to be uh, getting a pretty great ETB trigger rebought with this for it to be worth it. Maybe blinking something like uh Something with a, an ETB that kills a creature. Is there something like that in this set? I don't even know if there is. Mm. I don't think there's any like flame tongue or no, yeah, you know, <laughs> that type of effect. Not really. Not that I can think of. Yeah, so th- this is not great. I'm
1: notably well, you can blink sagas, which I think is where this is really going to shine. Mm-hmm. Um, you can yeah. blink a, a saga that has one more um, stage left or one more chapter left, and you know you get. Two more, two more, or three more turns with it, or whatever. Yeah, I guess all the sagas in this set are uh, three chapters, but.
0: And uh, our rare is uh, Clifftop Retreat. This is a reprint. We've seen this before.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, basically, it's one of the stronger sets of duels that we've seen, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, coming in untapped. If you've got one of the specific two land types, is solid. Like I play a uh, the odd. You know, one of this type of cycle in my modern decks are they're great in commander too.
1: Yeah, I think if this was any other land in the cycle, I'd probably take that here, given the how crappy the rest of this pack is. But I'm not huge on red white, and I'm not really looking to. Sp- well, I suppose I could splash either red or white, but you're not really looking to splash white too often. It's mm-hmm. probably one of the worst colors in this format. Um, red's pretty decent, but. I don't know. I I guess I'm on Elfame Druid here.
0: Yeah, I think I'm also on Elfame Druid, although I wouldn't fault anyone for taking Sentinel, the Pearl Trident. And uh, I definitely wouldn't fault anyone for taking Rat Colony and trying to live the dream. <laughs> yep.
1: All right, so that brings us to our next segment, Teferi and Tybalt.
0: Sweet. So what's your what's your Teferi's and Tybalt's, your highs and lows this week?
1: Yeah, so mine was... I actually am just coming back from a... Really awesome, much-needed vacation. Uh, I took all of last week off and uh, was up in Maine with my wife, and um, we had a great time. Sweet. We're in Maine. Uh, we stayed in Augusta, which is, I guess, the capital. I didn't realize that until we got there, but <laughs> my geography uh, I, needs uh, a little
0: work. I have completely forgotten all relevant geography, but I, I think that's probably the capital. Yeah, sure. Is that near the coast? Um, It's
1: not terribly far from the coast but it's not super close although the cabin we were staying in was on a lake so i guess you could say it was near the coast yeah
0: see my follow-up was gonna be did you get like seafood like lobster and whatnot because that's the best part about maine
1: yeah of course actually and we we did some fishing on the lake so we were able to we caught um... uh
0: lake lobsters yeah
1: nope nope nope, no lobster (laughs) but we did catch largemouth bass and they were delicious sweet oh that's a good time yeah it was really fun the Tibolt, though, uh, the kind of the flip side of this is, I didn't draft a single card during vacation. So,
0: you know, that Whoa, was a week off from drafting. I know. Tell me about it, man. Do you do you remember how to like hold cards and flick them? If I, if I well, that's <laughs> I a, that's a, a different cards.
1: <laughs> that's a different problem altogether, right? We haven't played in paper in forever.
0: That's true. You know what? I've been thinking about trying to get one of those webcam setups that a lot of people have been getting into.
1: Yeah. Where you have like
0: one webcam on your face, one facing down on a playmat? I might try to look into that.
1: It's an idea, yeah.
0: If any of our viewers want to play us in commander, <laughs> we're not doing much. We're down.
1: We are also going to have to play test our cube eventually. Ooh, that's when, right. When the draft half cube becomes a realization.
0: You know, that's actually something that we're also looking forward to community feedback on. We got uh, who is hold on. Could you pull up on Twitter? Who is the person that um that it responded to us about, uh, what was it? It's the Artificer combo. It's the one with um. It was
1: renowned weaponsmith, I think.
0: Renowned weaponsmith and uh, is it vial of dragonfire?
1: Yep. That is it.
0: Heartpiercer bow. That if was I remember. It, it was. Um, yeah, that's a great idea.
1: It was, aleatory. I- I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that, but yeah, aleatory on Twitter.
0: Well, to whoever they are, thank you much, Lee. Uh, I, I look forward to putting that in. And I was thinking, wouldn't blue-white artifacts be sweet? That's Usually red-blue gets it, but blue-white, I think, could have something to do with that.
1: Blue-white would be cool there, um, but also, I mean, we kind of wanted to have an ar- uh, an equipment sub-theme for, for red-white, so I feel like there might be too many artifacts floating around if we do two artifact-heavy archetypes.
0: Uh, that's true. Mm, as long as we can put see. Bonesaw in in some way. I, I just want <laughs> Bonesaw in the Draft Trap queue. Also, I'm very excited for Double Masters because so far we've been seeing, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, I think most of the spoilers will be up. We've been seeing all the rares and mythics being spoiled, and there's basically an entire set worth of them. Right? Yeah. But where are the commons going to be? They're going to have to reprint like every playable common ever. This set is going to have so much chaff. Just like a yeah. ridiculous amount of draft Chaff. I'm very excited to pick up cheap commons that are, at least I hope, playable in some formats or other.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if they're Chaff, you know, they're not going to be playable, but we'll put them in the cube, so.
0: Yep. <laughs> All right, so what, right. what
1: were your Tibbles and Teferis?
0: Right, so I was playing a bit of Vintage Cube before it went offline, uh, which for us it does tomorrow, but this comes out in the future, so Ben of the Past will been playing it until Ben of the Future is unable to. So I'm getting a little looper on this, but uh, anyway. I was playing some Vintage Cube, and uh, I had a pretty big punt for my my Tivolt. I had a decent like, mono green deck uh, with the usual ramp nonsense. I was playing Whisperwood Elemental, which is one of my favorite pet cards. I've loved Whisperwood ever since it was printed. It was one of the first Mythics that I owned. Uh, I remember watching it in the Pro Tour, like fascinated, like, whoa, this thing is amazing, and it got me hooked in the game. And my opponent control magicked my Whisperwood, and I forgot to sack it. Ooh. So <laughs> didn't go well for me from that point. I was just kind of out of it. And uh, my Teferi of the week was I later got to pack one, pick one of Black Lotus. And usually with that, I, I just enjoy playing with Lotus. It's so much fun. Usually with that, I want to go into some kind of broken artifact blue deck of some sort. But it was not open. I didn't, I didn't see a single blue card. So instead, I drafted Jund with Black Lotus. Hmm. Uh, I picked up like Mind Twist and Vivian and Chandra. So I got to turn two of Vivian. That was pretty cool. Um,
1: Sounds like you're living your dream over there.
0: Oh, I am, yeah. It, it was a good time. Uh, I got to play one round with it. I did pretty well, but um, my opponent had uh, a Mindslaver lock in like, every artifact mana source available, but whatever. We're done talking with this nonsense format. Let's talk about Dominaria.
1: <laughs> yeah, so this is our Dominaria format rewind episode. We're kind of taking the same um, breakdown of episode style as our format breakdowns for the beginning of new formats. Uh, but Dominaria is coming back to MTG Arena. So we're going to cover all the main archetypes. Uh, we'll cover the signpost on and the top 10 common uncommons in each color pair. Um, and then we'll talk about some other different um, things about the format, such as the format speed, whether it's a Prince or pauper type format, um, which archetypes we've had the most fun with. And especially since this is not a new set, uh, we can actually talk about that to hmm. a bit more... Of a degree uh, than than brand new sets, we haven't had the chance to to actually draft yet. So tell yeah, me so tell me a bit we'll... about Dominaria, Ben.
0: Sure. So just a just a, a forewarning, I guess we're going to talk about this as if it's new, uh, just to kind of review, because some of our listeners probably aren't new to the game and probably never did draft a Dominaria, and some of them might be coming back and. Dominaria was two whole years ago, so just needed a good refresher. So we're going to treat this as if we're just analyzing it for the first time, which we're not. We can also toss in our you know usual recommendations and things. And, you know, sometimes they'll actually be right because we did play with this set a lot. So Dominaria yeah. is... So I'm
1: going to like sidebar that quickly as well to say that most of the drafting I did with this format was against bots. And it was a very different format against bots than I think it's going to be with actual people
0: so Mm, that's true i did a good amount in paper with this format and also a lot against the arena bots but yeah this will be in in paper so or sorry in uh against people online presumably right right (laughs) so this format is one of the all-timers it is kind of a slower attritiony format uh more so than most at least so stuff like big flyers card advantage sagas uh these incremental slow grindy mid-range threats they really end up winning the day which i am a big fan of so you've got legendary creatures running around everywhere the uncommons are legends the mythics are legends the rares are all legends everything is a legend that was one of the main themes of this set and that leads to some flashy gameplay and really really interesting interactions so there's also a lot of powerful recursion that helps you bring back these, you know, busted threats. So you've got stuff like Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, and uh, like Jota, Archmage, Eternal... Well, I wouldn't recommend playing that one, you know, but... <laughs> a little bit hard uh, to pull off. Raph, Capuchin, Tatiova, Benthic Druid. These are, like, commander, modern, sometimes even further back playable cards. And there's a lot of them. So one of the best, like... You know, one of the best ideas for any format is how are you going to win? Like, what's your plan to win the game? So in this format specifically, it often is card advantage or going over the top somehow. Something like Daragaz Reincarnated, that'll usually win the game when it hits the board. Uh, or somehow using Joyra or Weatherlight Captain to draw a million cards or... Grand Warlord Rada to ramp into a huge threat earlier than usual, or Slimefoot to sack a bunch of sapperlings and go off draining your opponent. All this and more is possible.
1: Yeah, and you really hit the nail on the head there, Ben. Uh, you really need a plan to win. This is not like M21. You're not just drafting the most aggressive deck you can and jamming your creatures into the red zone. Um, mm-hmm. You can if you get it together. The the blue-red Wizards deck can kind of do that. Um Blue-white flyers sort of can, but to, to a much lesser extent. Um, yeah, And so, so it, it can happen, but in general, like Ben said, you're going to want to be uh, prioritizing these mid-range kind of grindy decks and hoping to basically outgrind your opponent.
0: Yeah, this is not the format for one mana, one threes and such. In this format, you're looking to go big and do stupid stuff. One of my favorite cards in the set is a uh, Rona, disciple of Gix. It's able to like loop uh, different historic cards from your graveyard. You can loop this and you know get back a saga that gets back Rona that gets back something else, and oh, it's it's amazing. Yeah, so and, much fun.
1: And if you're really lucky, you can live the dream of the Teshar Rona combo with uh, Mox Amber and the Diligent Excavator. I think is what it's called. Diligent.
0: Yeah, and sounds... the blue
1: one that mills things.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it, I think.
1: Yeah, uh, you, can, you can get some real brain. shenanigans. It's it's lovely, and it was a standard deck for a little while, but it actually is, if you're lucky enough, it you can put it together in Limited as well.
0: Um, but, so, let's start off by breaking down the archetypes. Uh, this is what we usually do with a new format. We're going to talk about the signpost uncomments for each one and then talk about the, the deck that kind of surrounds it. So, uh, our first one here... Well, we're actually going to do the same orders as we did last time. White-red, uh, aggro, equipment, flyers, recursion, I don't know, white-red.
1: White-red kind of doesn't know what it wants to do.
0: No, I it feel. didn't. It was not one of the best color pairs. I was never very happy to wind up in white-red. Like we mentioned with Tiana Ship's Caretaker, the 3-3 three, three angel that can recur auras and equipment in a lot of sets. Sticking Auras and equipment on creatures and hoping for the best when your opponent is, you know, got a handful of solid removal spells. Not always a great game plan, especially in this format where you need some kind of recursive engine or game plan to go into the late game. If you put like, I don't know, an Aura on your 2-2 and they kill it, and then you've got a handful of other two twos while your opponents are slamming four fours and six sixes and things with ridiculous ETB effects... Yeah, you're gonna lose. That's it. Uh that being said, as with any set, white red can still be pretty aggressive, and there are some decent white aggro cards. Something like Danitha Capuchin, the uh the legendary two two for three with first strike vigilance and lifelink that as an equipment cast sorry, cost one less to cast on her. So, I mean, that's solid. You can definitely smack in with Danitha Capuchin. Yeah, that's uh, true. And there's kind of like a small knight theme in this set too, especially in white and black. So you've got stuff like Call the Cavalry, which makes two 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 white creatures for just three and a green or three and a white. So, you know, that's a, a nice way to clog up the board. And Pegasus Courser is a great way to fly over the top. This is a pretty common trope in these sets where it's two and a white for a one-three flyer, and when it attacks another creature gets flying. And you've got your usual red stuff. Uh Shivan Fire, Frenzied Rage, these These things can find a home in this deck, like Frenzy, Rages, and Aura. I also wanted to mention that the Auras deck can sometimes come together if you open the key uncommons for it. Valduk, Keeper of Flame, which makes a 3-1 for each Aura and equipment on it, uh, and then they stick around for the combat step and then get exiled. Champion of the Flame, which is a 2-mana 1-1 trample that gets plus 2, plus 2 for each Aura and equipment on it. You could live the dream, but... There's decent unconditional removal in black, which is one of the strongest colors in the set. So it doesn't usually go too well.
1: Yeah, it's also worth mentioning, not only do a lot of the colors, black and especially, have really good at removal, their removal is really good and it's at common. A lot mm-hmm. of the removal in this format is at common and it's really efficient. Um, yeah. it's, you mentioned shiv and fire already. That's one of, one of the more solid ones in this set. Um, and... So when you're when you're equipping up with auras, or I suppose attaching auras to your creatures, um yeah, be ready for a bit of a blowout. Definitely <laughs> definitely focus yep. a lot of these cards too, it's worth mentioning. Um focus on auras and equipments. I would lean heavier on that equipment side of things if you're going for this type of archetype.
0: hmm for sure. Stuff like eviscerate will just blow you out here or uh, different ways to uh, bounce the creature. This blink of an eye. There's other stuff like that. Also, you could spend a whole bunch of time like dumping all your mana and cards into it and then I don't know, just have it bounced or tapped down or have something like a, uh, a deep freeze put on it. Uh, this is a fine strategy, but this is not the format for aggression. Agreed.
1: Well, that brings us to green-white. Um, green-white in Dominaria is one of the more effective go wide type decks that we've seen in the last few formats um so let's take a look at at green white um the signpost uncommon here is shauna sisei's legacy it's green white for a zero zero legendary creature human warrior at uncommon obviously and zero
0: zero hold on yeah die when it comes in
1: that should send off a, a few red flags um But she has some interesting effects here. So Shana Sissé's legacy can't be the target of abilities your opponent's control. So not quite Hexproof, not quite Shroud, but she can't be targeted by abilities your opponent's control. Mm -hmm. Um, And she gets plus one, plus one for each creature you control, and that counts her as well. So by default, she's a two-mana one-one that can't be targeted by your opponent's abilities.
0: Not too many abilities that can target her in their set. There's a few, I think, but, you know...
1: Yeah, you really just want to take that, that second part and realize like, oh, I need a bunch of creatures. And when they eventually have an ability that targets your Sisei, or sorry, targets your Shana, you're going to be like, oh, you can't do that. And then you <laughs> gotcha. know, you'll notice that text. Yeah, but mostly you just want to go wide. So yeah. to do that, we have a few pretty solid commons and uncommons, uh, one of which Yavi Yavimaya Sh- Sapherd. It's a 2-2 creature fungus at common uh costs two and a green for um yeah a two two and it creates a one one green sapling as it enters the battlefield
0: yeah i love cards like this stuff like a a two two body stapled together with a one one body for three sometimes it is flying sometimes one of them like get sacrificed uh, you know this is a pretty common trope and in this set it was great yavimaya sapperd is one of the top green commons if not the best and uh, it you know provides two bodies for Shanna and other different green things that care about going wide.
1: For sure. Uh, we also have cards like Sapling Migration, which is one and a green for a sorcery that says create two 1-1 green saprling creature tokens. And it has kicker four. And if it was kicked, you create four of those tokens instead. So this is a great way to... And this is at Common again, so you can pick up quite a few of these um, and you can really build your board out with a couple of those.
0: Yeah multiple creatures for uh you know one one card one spell and then different ways to pump them to kind of get paid off for going wide song of Frailies, which is just a broken magic card
1: yeah it's pretty pretty amazing
0: <laughs> your stuff all for the first so hold on let me back up it's a saga for the first two chapters notably these chapters happen at the beginning of your first uh pre-combat main phase so after you draw a card uh you have your you know die or whatever in this case mostly online it's going to be happening and it ticks up one so whatever happens on that thing happens so for the first two your creatures gain tap add one man of any color so they become birds of paradise and then in the third chapter they all get a 1-1 counter they all gain vigilance trample and indestructible so you just get free attack that that part's worth mentioning because they they
1: don't get those permanently but the counter sticks around
0: yeah so what I love about that is you just get a free attack. Like when Song of Fairly sits chapter three, you just hit attack all, and then just you know lean back in your chair and watch what your opponent can do. Yep.
1: Yeah, and if you can, if you can uh turbo out a handful of creatures, you know through the means of like Lana War Elves or things of that nature, sapling Migration, you have this big board of two twos or three threes or whatever that are just attacking for free and. Your pony can't really do much apart from chump block or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they'll have a few profitable blocks, but it, it can be messy.
0: Yeah, even then, you're not losing any creatures, so.
1: Right, yeah, it's just completely free for you. Um, in white, we have cards like Call the Cavalry, which we mentioned before, that makes two 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 white knights. Um, we have Sergeant at Arms, which is a three mana two three with kicker three uh, that says when Sergeant at Arms enters a battlefield, if it was kicked, you create two one one white soldier creature tokens. Yeah, so, so it's a
0: little below rate for both costs. Three mana two three, meh. Uh six mana two three and two one ones, meh. But the flexibility kind of makes it worth an include. Right.
1: Um anything else that we want to specifically mention about this green wide go wide go green white go wide deck. It's basically play green, play white, and get as many creatures on the board as you can.
0: Yeah, that's about it. Uh, I think something like Gideon's Approach is best in this type of deck, where usually, you know, in attacking decks, they don't love this kind of effect where it deals damage to the attacking or blocking creature. This is one of the way it deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. But when you've gone so wide and your opponent is going to be blocking your 1-1 tokens or your 2 that you don't really care about, it makes Gideon's Approach a lot better when you can somehow maybe trade up a 2-2 that you don't really care about anymore and this card for, say, a 6-6.
1: Yeah, it's a great way to stay ahead on mana as well. Um, and in a lot of cases, you might technically be two for oneing yourself, but if you're chumping or if they're chumping a token, uh, you're really just one for oneing. So uh, Gideon's approach does have a, a solid home here, I think. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can We're still up. go big because you're going to yep. uh, you're going to be pumping out a lot of creatures, but you can also go tall with cards like Bayloth Gorger um, to just kind of round out your curve a bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Curving like a Pegasus Courser into a Baloth gorger that's a fast clock. For sure. So next up here, uh, we've got Red Black, which again, doesn't really have a great theme. I'm going to call it aggro good stuff with some light sacrifice themes, I guess. Something like that. The signpost uncommon is Garna the Blood Flame, Three black red. She has... Flash is a human warrior and is a 3/3. When Garna enters the battlefield, return to your hand all creature cards in your graveyard that were put there from anywhere this turn. Other creatures you control have haste. So the joke of this card is you leave 5 mana up, you like attack your whole board into their whole board, everything trades off and then you flash her in on their turn or your turn or whenever the combat step happened and you get all that stuff back. Then you're able to redeploy quickly because they all come down with haste. 5 mana for a 3/3. Not super exciting in this format. This card was a little bit worse than it looked, and it never really worked out You know, the best possible way, especially because oftentimes the trades didn't really work out. There's some decent pump spells in this format. Some stuff has indestructible or hexproof. It's just big. There's four fours and five fives all over the place. So if you're trying to curve out and then trade all your stuff off, sometimes the trades just don't really line up sometimes your stuff all just gets eaten and then you spent a whole bunch of turns and mana and time trying to set this up and then you don't really get paid off for it in any way.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty important to notice that little distinction there. If you're not actually making trades, Garna does next to nothing. She just sets, if you're attacking into a board that you can't trade into, uh, she is a five mana card. So if you're playing her on five or six, you know, you're losing your board, you play Garna... And all those cards go to your hand, not the battlefield. So now you have a handful of creatures that you can't cast for the next two or three turns, basically,
0: before you can deploy all of them. Mm. This is a five mana three three flash that will on average draw you one to two creatures. But it's super conditional. I mean, I'm taking any removal spell over this. So speaking of which, those are some of the best cards in black and red because, you know, this you know, this set has a ton of good common removal and black and red are two of the best removal colors. So we've got Eviscerate, Destroy Target Creature for four mana. Perfect.
1: Easy.
0: Convenient. It does it all. It's sorcery speed, but still great. Uh, You've got stuff like The Eldest Reborn, which is a very strong uncommon saga from this set. Uh, chapter one is each opponent sacks a creature or planeswalker chapter two is each opponent discards a card and chapter three is you get to reanimate something
1: yeah notably it hits creatures and or planeswalkers and it hits both graveyards so no matter as long as you've made it to turn basically eight at that point or seven i suppose uh you are going to be reanimating something it's either your best creature your or your opponent's best
0: creature and you know you're you're doing it yeah exactly and making them sacrifice stuff and discard stuff usually by those turns the only things left in their hand are like five and six drops so getting something like that back is great other good cars we've gotten red and black just kind of value stuff knight of malice a two mana two two first strike with hexproof from white and it gets plus one plus zero as long as the player controls a white permanent. You know, obviously a little better in black white, but it's still a two mana, two, two first strike. Thouled Omnivore is three and a black for a three, three. You can pay one, sacrifice another creature. Thouled Omnivore gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. And if a sapperling was sacrificed this way, you gain two life. Yeah, this is this to... <laughs> Yeah, th- this, this four mana, three, three with this weird sac pump ability. This is one of the best commons in the set.
1: Agreed. It harkens back to Nantuko Husk um, from the days mm-hmm. of yore, and uh, it's it's just extremely solid. There's so many cards that generate sapperlings, too, that you're frequently sacrificing sapperlings to this guy.
0: Oh yeah, I've won races with this card. Sometimes Absolutely. that gain, two is super important, and also, it's impossible to block. You attack with all your mana up and like two or three other creatures, they just have to take it. And eventually, they won't be able to take it anymore. They'll have to start putting stuff in front of it, and of course, you can just... Trade your two twos for their three threes, whatever they're sacrificing to you know keep this thing back. Last yeah. but not least, for black here, I put Yargle <laughs> because Big uh, old Frog Spirit, a funny card four and a black for a nine three, Frog Spirit, Legend. That's it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it, it actually, kind of seems like a joke, but it actually does perform in this format,
0: yeah, because you have a lot of things that end up caring about legends and uh. When combined with a lot of good removal, if your opponent has an empty board and they've been like messing around with ramping or artifacts or something, this thing has nine power. Like it dies to anything and trades with most things. Definitely side this out against certain opponents, but I have I've played a Yargle or two in my day.
1: Yeah, I mean it's not the worst card in this set and it, it does it does perform, actually. I think it did better than it was expected to when the set was fresh.
0: Yeah, it did. Some of the red cards that go well in black, uh, Keldon Raider, 2 red red for a 4-3. Warrior, human, when it enters the battlefield, you can discard a card if you do draw a card. So something that happens with black red sometimes is it might struggle with card advantage. This lets you start filtering your later draws if you're starting the flood, or if you need to you know, hit your 5th land, drop to cast, Oh, I don't know, Yargle or something like that. And uh, you know, it, it also kind of goes pretty well with removal. It is a little bit more aggressively slanted, and this thing hits hard, so you're going to back it up with something like Fight with Fire. Three mana, deal five, or Kick it to deal ten. Wizard's Lightning, the uh, three mana instant that costs two less if you control Wizard to deal three to any target, or Shiven Fire, the one red to deal two to any target, or sorry, two to target creature, and then you can Kick it for four to deal four instead. So uh, all, all these great removal spells kind of... They can they can combine all their powers to form something better than the, the sum of their parts, but this is still not one of the better archetypes in the set
1: yeah, it's very removal heavy as we've mentioned, and honestly, that's kind of what it has going for it. Um, there aren't mm-hmm. too many like massive bombs I mean you can play like Bells and lock or uh, some of the big bomb rares because there are quite a few of those in this format uh, yeah. but in the common uncommon slots, there aren't a ton of payoffs.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah this is definitely more a princey format where you know this is actually one of the things i love about this set over something like say i don't know m21 i'm excited to open packs of dominaria yeah. like you never know what kind of legend because uh, first of all every pack is guaranteed to have a legend in it so you right. never know what you're gonna get like there's nothing more fun than starting a draft with let's say a mold of the grave tide or uh Halar Fireflesher, or even an uncommon like uh, like Raf Capuchin Ship's Mage. These are fun build-arounds. And because, you know, they're legends, they've had a little bit more effort put into them than say, I don't know, Ruined Halo, or something <laughs> like that. I, I'm just not excited to open M21 like I am Dominaria.
1: Yeah, plus, I mean, you have Sagas, which at the time when the set came out were brand new with, with Dominaria, but they're also just one of the more interesting card types in in magic like in the history of the game Uh, oh yeah they're they're so cool right and um so you have those um there's just a lot going on and the flavor in the set's really great as well so Mm -hmm. it's definitely
0: a lot more fun than than 21 for sure one note in black red uh be careful you don't wind up just with all removal I remember I had a deck like that, that I remember distinctly because it was kind of a stress test on how many removal spells can I stick in a deck. I had every single common removal spell and uncommon removal spell in these colors you can imagine, but my creature base just wasn't there. Uh, I think I was probably doing like a like 13 creature ish 10 removal spell curve, and it just did not get there. It was bad. So Something important in this set, make sure you're able to affect the board significantly.
1: Yeah, I think that's also just like a a a nice little tip for anybody who hasn't really thought about it before um i I would say 9.9 times out of 10 your opponents have more threats than you have answers and even if you're stacking your deck with as ben said every common uncommon removal you can get your hands on your opponent's still gonna have more threats and if you're never putting a creature down you're probably not winning
0: um, mm-hmm. so, yeah.
1: so definitely try to balance that out. And again, red-black doesn't have a ton of um,
0: bombs, so be diligent about picking those up when you can. What are you talking about? It's got Kazarov, Sen-Gir, Pure Pureblood, 7-mana, 4-4, four, four Flyer. <laughs> this is actually one of the more disappointing bombs in the set. Yeah. Well, but that anyway. brings us
1: to Blue-Red Wizards.
0: Uh, oh, finally a good deck.
1: Yeah, and... Arguably one of the better decks. Like This is this yeah, is, this is top one of the great. best decks in the format. Um, so the signpost in common here is Adelie's The Cinderwind. No, one blue... R- I love this card. <laughs> <laughs> it's one blue-red for a 2-2 legendary creature, human wizard, at uncommon. It has flying, it has haste, and whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, wizards you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. So... Yep basically i mean if 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 any signpost uncommon ever has this is telling you exactly what blue red is doing here and i i do like that they kept um the instant sorcery sub theme that blue red seems to pretty much always have but they also twisted it so it's not just instants and sorceries like there's something more specific going on here uh, which is just a nice little refreshing taste on on blue red as an archetype
0: you know how many times i died on turn like five to this i expect very so many, yeah so many yeah something like uh turn two wizard turn three ataly's turn four wizard turn five like opt shiven fire opt you're dead
1: yeah well plus i mean you know if you are really getting there you're playing like gitu lava runner on one and then mm-hmm. some other wizard yep. on two ataly's on three and then four and five you're just dumping sor- instants and sorceries out and they just get massive really fast
0: yeah, it's scary, and this also doesn't really count like any other pump abilities that some of the other ones have, or like prowess type effects. So, right. or, or even pumping other creatures. So, say if you pump a wizard with a pump spell, and that's an instant, well, then it's going to get pumped even more. Right. So
1: let's let's break down some of the top commons on commons. We mentioned a few already. Um, in blue, we have Wizard's Retort. That's one blue, blue, uh, and it costs one less to cast if you control a wizard and counter target <laughs> yeah. spell.
0: Don't don't joke. This always cast this always costs blue blue.
1: Right. Uh, it's same just with wizards lightning.
0: Yeah, same, same with wizards lightning. In this deck that's bolt and that's counterspell.
1: Yep. Uh we have Taelian Scholar which is a 2 3 for two and a blue. That's it. Sounds kind of like a joke, but it's a wizard and as we said earlier though this deck does have the ability to be aggressive and kill early. Mid-range decks are everywhere. And having a nice 2-3 creature on the board while you're trying to build up your wizards is is always good to have.
0: Yeah, this turns on all your wizard synergy. A great curve is Tolarian Scholar into Academy Journey Mage, which is 4 and a blue for a 3-2. When it enters the battlefield, return a creature an opponent controls to its owner's hand. But it costs 1 less to cast if you have a wizard. So you go 3-drop Scholar. 4 Job Journey Mage, Mana War away one of your opponent's creatures, and get in with your
1: 2-3. Yeah, it's, that's just great. Um, we have uh, Merfolk Trickster, which is blue-blue for a 2-2 with Flash. Notably, it's a Merfolk Wizard. And uh, when it enters the battlefield, you tap target creature and opponent controls. It loses all abilities until end of turn. So this is great to get around, say there's your opponent drops a Pesky Flyer and it shuts off your Adelise attack. Well, now you can attack with Adelise.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually really like Merfolk Trickster. You can do some really fun shenanigans with this. Something like uh, an opponent attacking with the 2-2 first strike, and you have like, I don't know, a, a two-one or something, or something that wasn't originally gonna be able to trade with it. Now you trades.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty great. It also um can can trade itself, right? So, you know, maybe uh-huh. they have that two-two with first strike and you just play this, block with this. Yeah, it's great. Uh, One of the better tempo cards, I think, that's ever been printed, honestly.
0: Speaking of tempo cards, blink of an eye. (laughs) This is a a card. So it's one of the blue, instant, kicker, one of the blue. So you return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, and if it was kicked, draw a card. So this is like a two-mana bounce spell, or four-mana cryptic command.
1: Yeah, basically. It's an (laughs) easier-to-cast cryptic command.
0: (laughs) Yeah... It, yes, this is cryptic command. Anyway.
1: <laughs> All right, mic drop and episode over. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, Blink of an Eye is, is a really solid card. It's one of the better quote-unquote removal spells in blue, um, and giving you that card draw is pretty massive in a lot of matchups. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on to red. In red, we have... a a number of pretty solid wizards. We have Gitu Lava Runner, as I mentioned, the 1-mana 1-2 Human Wizard. As long as there are 2 or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, Gitu Lava Runner gets plus 1, plus 0, and has haste. Um, So if you're playing it on 1, you're obviously not getting that haste effect, Um, but, you know, a 1-mana 2-2 later on in the game is solid, and a 1-mana 2-2 that's attacking the turn you play is even better. Um, Going along with the Lava Runner, we have a Gitu Journey Mage. Um, That's a three two for two and a red human wizard at common, and when it enters the battlefield, you if you control another wizard, g2 journey mage deals two damage to each opponent. Um, so this is another way to like burn your opponents down pretty quick. Um, it doesn't it doesn't trigger when other wizards enter the battlefield it's only a one- time trigger, but uh, you know it's an extra two damage for free so
0: yeah good stuff. The, these wizards all just synergize so well together
1: yeah you really are trying to focus on um critical mass of wizards i feel uh with this deck you you need some support like your wizards retorts or your wizards lightnings or your blink of an eye or whatever but you just want to pick up every
0: wizard you can Mm-hmm. yeah all right that's probably enough about wizards i think we made the point
1: <laughs> yeah there's really not like the deck kind of builds itself pick up the wizards pick up the small support and you're good to go
0: Next, we've got one of my favorite archetypes. Not This is probably like the fourth best-ish. Between third and fourth. Black, white, knights. Life gain stuff? <laughs> it's kind of a mid-range deck. But uh, Arvad the Cursed is our signpost uncommon. This is three white and black for a 3-3 three, three legendary vampire knight. It has death touch and lifelink, and other legendary creatures you control get plus two, plus two. This card's fun. Like, I love this.
1: Yeah, it's pretty pretty sweet.
0: So this is where Yargle really <laughs> finds a good home. And other random legends that you can pick up and just slot into here, perfect in this deck. Stuff like Quende, Pride of Femareth, uh, the four mana 2-2 two, two double strike, and creatures with first strike you control have double strike. Other little, you know, random legendary payoffs, like On Sarah's Wings, which is a just broken card in Limited. It, it's so good. You know Baneslayer Angel? Have well, now, Baneslayer anything, now anything can be a Baneslayer Angel if it tries hard enough. On Sarah's Wings is three and a white for an aura. Enchanted Creature becomes legendary, gets plus one, plus one, and gets flying vigilance and lifelink. Just impossible to race. You have to kill whatever they put it on. But it becomes legendary. Then yeah, that you know it's great? That stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: Putting On Sarah's Wings onto a cold snapper.
0: That is just it's just amazing. (laughs) Oh man. Uh next we've got Benelish Honor Guard. This is a two mana two two. It gets plus one plus oh for each legendary creature you control. Now in like red white or something, this isn't gonna be great most of the time. But historic really focuses in the Esper colors, so black, white, and blue. And I found that sometimes in this deck, Benelish Honor Guard can get up to like a five two just incidentally from just playing your cards out. Two mana five two is great. Especially when you're backing it up with, like, Black's removal suite. Now, this yeah. also has a Knight's sub-theme. So, I mentioned Knight of Malice before. Well, you we got the inverse card from that, Knight of Grace. Another 2-mana 2 to two, first strike, hexproof from Black. And it gets one as long as you control a Black permanent.
1: Yeah, and obviously you're running both in this deck. Um, Knight of Malice and Knight of Grace. But... Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing that's worth bringing up here is if you're new to this format, if you've never played Dominaria before, you're going to look at a lot of these cards and be like, other legendary creatures? Well, what? I'm going to run maybe one legendary creature if I'm lucky? Mm-hmm. No, not really. Uh, there not are a, a ton of legendary creatures at Uncommon. Um, all the signpost uncommons are legendary. Um, there are a handful of of other legendary creatures that aren't the signposts, but are all in at uncommon, you know, so it's it's relatively easy to pick up quite a few of them,
0: um, and just jam them in your decks. Plus, who doesn't love legendary creatures? You can stick these in your commander decks. Sometimes they have applicability in other older formats. Plus, this is just fun. Who wants to be casting like I don't know, Goblin Wizardry or whatever when you could be playing like Arvad the Cursed? Come on. I- all right, I'll stop dunking I'm, on him. Before. I'm
1: raising That's my burning. hand right now, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Got Wizard wizardry's nonsense. You know what's better than that? A better format at instant? Dark Bargain. This might be familiar to those that played a choreo. This is three and a black. Look at the top three cards of your library. You put two into your hand and the other in the graveyard, and it deals two damage to you. This format is slow enough where this can be a pretty good way to refill your hand in some of the more aggressively leaning decks, something like black, white, or red, black. And uh finally, some more towards the like the finisher side of the spectrum, Wind Grace Acolyte. This is four and a black for a three-two flying. When it ETBs, you put the top three cards of your library in your graveyard and gain three life. You know, you can go over the top, you know, with flyers and things like that. Black white is this kind of grindy mid-range value plan where you can start reanimating creatures and getting them back through all sorts of stuff. And uh there's also there's a, there's a regrowth in this format, Soul Salvage. Mm-hmm. Uh, two and a black, you return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. Another way to kind of grind out the late game. Trade off your uh, Quende or Pegasus Courser or Arvad the Cursed and then just bring it right back. I'm a big fan of this deck personally. And like I said, I think it's probably in the top half of, of decks in the format.
1: Yeah, it's up there and it has one of the better sort of mid-range plans that a lot of the decks do in this, in this uh, format. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, chip down at your opponent with a lot of these incidental damage effects. You also just have relatively solid creatures that can just chip in, um, and you're, you're going to be grinding out. Okay, that brings us to red-green. Uh, in this format, red-green's kind of the kicker archetype. Um it's a little bit ag- it's it's aggressive leaning, but you're gonna be seeing uh the majority of the kicker cards in red green.
0: So Ooh, I, wanna, I wanna do some kicking.
1: Yeah, actually this art this archetype's pretty sweet. So our signpost uncommon is Halar the Fire Fletcher. It's one red green for a 3 3 legendary creature, elf archer at uncommon. It has trample. And whenever you cast a spell, if that spell was kicked, put a 1 1 counter on Halar then Halar deals damage equal to the number of plus one plus one plus one, plus one counters on it to each opponent.
0: Halar's sweet.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, it doesn't take too much to really get this going. At At worst, it's a three mana 3-3 three, three with Trample.
0: Mm-hmm. You're already above yeah. eight there. <laughs> like, that's great on its own.
1: Yeah, and if you cast even one kicked spell, it's a 4-4 four, four that deals one to the opponent, and it just gets better from there, so... Yeah um also you're you're dealing with a lot of extra kickers and some pretty solid removal has kicker on it so um you're looking at things like fight with fire Shiven fire uh, lots of fire going around <laughs> um, you have goblin barrage which is three in a red sorcery at uncommon with kicker sack and artifact or goblin goblin barrage deals four damage to target creature and if the spell was kicked it also deals four damage to target player or planeswalker that's mm-hmm. eight damage for four mana and some, some goblin or something.
0: Yeah, you got to do a little bit of work, maybe toss an equipment or two into your deck. And there's not that many goblins, incidentally, in this set. But this still is four mana for four damage, and sometimes even more than that.
1: Yeah, it's pretty solid. And notably, it's a kicked uh, kicker card, so any of the kicker synergies you're getting there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, naturally, Elfame Druid, uh, our pick from the Pack 1 Pick 1 earlier, is. Just going to be right at home in this deck. It's uh, one and a green for an O2. Tap, add green, or tap, add green, green, and spend this mana only to cast kick spells.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. This is perfect. Like you go turn two elfame Druid, turn three Bayloth Gorger, the two green, green for a 4 4. It has kicker four, and if it's kicked, you put three counters on it. So, I mean, if you have this in the early game, you can, like I said, turn three, 4 4. If you have this in the late game, Turn five ish, maybe turn five or six ish, seven seven. That's pretty good, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think what is the fastest. I guess if you went like um Llanowar elves into Elfhame Druid into another elf or um the Envoy that lets you play extra lands, oh, yeah, or you you Grow from the Ashes, or Grow from the Ashes, you can get a Baileth Gorge out on turn four or kicked. Without Ooh. terrible oh, yeah. difficulty
0: all right hear me out turn one or elves turn two grow from the ashes, which comes in untapped to play another or elves so then turn three you've got three lands no turn three you've got four lands and two elves well I, this doesn't matter <laughs> yeah no
1: there's a lot of shenanigans you can do with these kicker effects and the mm-hmm. the dorks that are in the in the format you also have pretty yeah. solid uh, creatures apart from the Baloth Gorger um, in the form of Untamed Kavu, which is 1 and a green for a 2-2 with Vigilance and Trample. Already, that's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. You don't really care about Trample on a 2-2, but you know, it's, it's not a it's <laughs> He's not a got trish's.
0: big dreams.
1: Yeah, well, he has Kicker 3, and if he's kicked, he enters the battlefield with 3-1-1 counters on him. So at that point, he's a 5-mana five 5-5 with Vigilance and Trample, and that's just great.
0: Yeah, what I love about this this archetype in particular is that it's really good at smoothing out your draws incidentally. So let's say you had an opening hand of like three lands and three untamed Kavu and something else, some other removal spell. Untamed Kavu, if it was just a 2-2 and didn't have kicker, you'd be like, well, this is you know, this is a fine hand, but I'm going to get overrun if my opponent plays a 3-3. This thing instead serves as both a 2-drop and a 5-drop. So you're able to say, play your first Untamed Kavu on turn two, and then play other stuff. And then on turn five, you can drop another Untamed Kavu. Everything just kind of shifts to fit the role that it needs to play. So Gitu Chronicler, for example, the one in the red for 1-3 with Kicker returns an instant or sorcery.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you're, say, getting beaten down by a team of one ones, you can just cast it as a two-mana 1-3, and it'll be great. Or you can use it later in the game to buy back something like a Shivan Fire, which is also great.
1: Yeah, it's it kind of has this a similar effect to to um, cycling in in formats that run cycling. Yeah, for where sure. Where it helps smooth your curve out, but this happens kind of on the opposite end. Where cycling kind of lets you use up expensive creatures early on. Kicker lets you get extra value out of cards later on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I love Kicker as a format. Uh, like archetype. And this is a, a solid one in this format too. It's again probably in the middle stages of, of best decks in the in the limited format.
1: Agreed. And I I really just appreciate that they allowed the signpost uncommon to really feed off the kicker mechanic as well. Uh, it's yeah, just, for it's sure. Just
0: really awesome. So our next archetype has a little less direction, but it's just as good. We got blue green. I'm calling it Value Town. It's not Sounds really landfall so right. much, but uh, it is value. So our signpost in common is Tatiova, Benthic Druid. One of my
1: favorite cards ever printed in Magic. I love the, oh yeah,
0: This is a like commander staple, which should tell you something about its power level. Tatiova is a 3 green-blue for a 3-3 merfolk druid. So under it better have a good effect. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life and draw a card.
1: Goodbye, flooding. <laughs>
0: yikes this is strong exactly so let's say you're top decking in the late game you keep drawing your lands and you just draw your lands and you're like whatever i'm gonna lose now all those lands draw you another card and even if it's a land who cares because that's gonna draw you another card so yeah and they're gaining energy. you life yeah that's true it's it's buying you time to use these cards too
1: yeah you pair Can't that you with a- um the Lana war scout it's one and a mm, green for yeah. a 1-3 that taps, and you put a land from your hand on the battlefield. Boom, you just, draw, you mm-hmm. just drew two extra cards this turn.
0: <laughs> yeah, of War Scout's usually not the best thing in the world. It kind of has the same problem as you know, our friend Arboreal Grazer, for those <laughs> that know it. You eventually run out of lands in hand for something like a Lanawar Scout. It's not as good as, say, a 2-mana 1-3 that taps for mana. mana.
1: But, right, but when those lands are drawing you cards, it kind mm-hmm. of works itself out of that uh issue
0: yeah tatiovia is uh is one of the signposts that i'm totally comfortable first picking in this set it's also you know five drop easy to cast you can splash this if you really wanted to and say Absolutely. like a, a red green deck
1: yeah there's nothing you need to do to build around this card if you're playing mm-hmm. lands in your deck tatio is going to do work
0: yeah and this doesn't really point too strongly in the direction that this deck wants to go but uh if you take a hint Hitting land drops and drawing cards is kind of what blue-green has always been good at. So stuff like or Elves, the kicker cards like Untamed Kavu and Grow From the Ashes, stuff to go up the ground like Yavimaya Sapherd. Just any good green cards that affect the board. And then you have time to deploy stuff in blue, stuff like Divination. So this is a good test for a format, whether or not Divination is playable. And in this case, it is. It's amazing. Uh, you have time to cast divination in the set maybe not against wizards all the time but if you were to say take turn three off an m21 to try to cast divination and your opponent has like two anointed choristers and they're holding a badger's acolyte in hand you're dead you know
1: (laughs) right yeah this is this is a format where you you can definitely take time off to draw cards um there's a five mana card called weight of memory that that Draws you a bunch of cards as well. That's totally playable mm-hmm. here. Um, you have Opt in this format as well. Um, you have a number of counter spells like um, Syncopate and uh, the names escaping me, but the Wizard. Wizard's a Tort too. Tort, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, So, you know, there are a few reactive things you can do. You've got time to draw cards, you've got time to play your lands to draw more cards. The one thing this this deck seems to lack quite a bit, though, is a closer. Um, it it mm-hmm. likes to cycle through the deck, but it doesn't really know what it's looking for in most cases. I find, unless you happen to pick up one of the really awesome green or blue bombs.
0: Yeah, this deck does go really well with you know any kind of big, huge green rare that you can just slam in the end. Something like a Multani, or I mean, Multani is maybe the best card in the set. So, you know, that goes <laughs> yeah. without saying. But um, any of the giant trees, uh, there's there's a few of them. Thorn Elemental is a great one. Uh, a kicked Baloth Gorger will do it sometimes. What's that? There's um, there's one that makes tokens too. I forget what that one's called. We only focus on chaff here. Rares don't interest <laughs> us quite as much. Hey,
1: some um, some rare chaff That's it. Yeah, burn Force.
0: Yeah, or uh, like a Grun, the Lonely King. Not the best finisher, but you know,
1: Grun. I've done work with Grun though. He c- he can. He can kick it with the best of them.
0: <laughs> no, no kick pun intended. Oh, oh man!
1: Actually, I don't even I know. Thought if Grun I, I has thought I was kicker. on pun duty. I don't even know if Grun has kicker to be honest with you. He
0: does. He does. If you kick him, he has five extra counters on him.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I totally Sweetie. knew that and meant to make that pun, 100%.
0: Yikes! Speaking of kicked fatties, uh, the real Slinvoda. Voda, <laughs> Slin Voda, the rising deep.
1: Slinvoda. Voda. That card is an uncommon. It doesn't yeah, s- it's, like it's, it's just ridiculous. so weird. That's another thing about this format. It's so weird to hear like named cards. Like Tatiova benthic mm-hmm. druid, you're like that's a mythic. Yeah. No, no, it's just an uncommon. Like, I don't know. name something about named cards in Magic just make you think they're a higher rarity than they are.
0: Well, here's our our chaff spotlight of the week, Slynvoda.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: The real Slyn Shady. This thing is is stupid. It's basically upheaval. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah. For those who don't know, Slinvoda the rising deep is a six, uh, sorry, it's six blue, blue for an eight, eight with kicker one in a blue. So you yeah. can pay either eight mana for an eight, eight with <laughs> an effect or, um, what a 10 mana for an eight, eight that has a better effect. So, when, and when slinvoda the rising deep enters the battlefield if it was kicked return all creatures to their owners hands except for merfolk kraken's leviathans octopuses and serpents <laughs> it's
0: so what dumb what a weird
1: card it just it doesn't just like, have any form of evasion at all
0: yeah th- there's like two merfolk in this set i think and like that's it.
1: <laughs> yeah you've got like the arcanist and um merfolk trickster
0: yeah I mean, I have lost to this card before, but, you know, I, I mean, think Blue might be its best home.
1: Yeah, probably. I don't think you're running it in any other blue deck. None of the other blue decks really want to get big like that.
0: Yeah, I don't think they can.
1: Right. Speaking of other blue decks, I think that segues us nicely to Blue White Skies. Yeah. Um, ben, you've mentioned the signpost uncommon a few times here, but in this case, we have Raph Capuchin, Ship's Mage. It's two white blue for a three three human wizard at uncommon with flash flying and you may cast historic spells as though they had flash. So just a, a quick refresher: historic spells are artifacts, legendaries, and sagas.
0: Um, this card's great. I love wrath.
1: He's pretty. He's pretty solid. Um, you know, he's allowing you to cast all these different things with flash, which are great. Um, you can really get people with some of the sagas. Uh, there are so many legendaries running around that you can get them with with those as well um yeah it's it's pretty solid also notably it's legendaries of any kind so planeswalkers legendary enchantments legendary creatures legendary artifacts although artifacts all already fall into historic but any type of legendary you can cast a flash with this.
0: Is, is it time to get out the soapbox and talk about legendary sorceries do it all right climb it up right now So legendary sorceries, for those that have not played with them, something like Urza's Ruinous Blast, Karn's Temporal Sundering, these big, flashy, mythic... Not that they're rares, actually. Rare legendary sorceries. You can only put them on the stack and only cast them if you control a legendary creature or planeswalker. So something like an uncommon Raph Capuchin would work. However, if you do not have a legend, you cannot cast them. These are a lot worse than they look like in Limited. And they look stupid. <laughs> like, yeah, they look really powerful. They look insane, yeah. But when you can't cast them and they rot in your hand, it doesn't do anything. Once your opponent knows about them, they're just going to target all of your legends. Uh, sometimes you won't even draw your legends. That being said, if you're able to first pick, something like yogmots Vile Offering, I think is the best for Limited. Agreed. If you can first pick that and draft around it, the Esper colors are the ones with, I think, the, the highest quality of... Uh, legends that you can put in your deck and then attempt to get to trigger. If you can resolve a Yawgmont's Val offering, you'll just win the game. Same with like Karn's Temporal Sundering, and Urz's Ruinous Blast is good too. Jai's Emulating Inferno I've never really seen do much, and I've never even tried Kamal's Druidic Val. That doesn't do anything. But be very careful with these. Know that uh, there will be times when you are just unable to cast them, and side them out or in, depending on your opponent's removal suite. Yeah, they're also, well,
1: real fast, they're also a little confusing, (laughs) they're also a little confusing because a lot of the cards in this, in this set, um, talk about legendaries, plural, like I was just mentioning with Wrath Capuchin, Mm -hmm. um, meaning any type of legendary card, the legendary sorceries can only be cast if you have a creature or planeswalker that is legendary, they don't, you cannot cast them if you have a legendary enchantment only or a legendary artifact, you need a creature Mm -hmm. or a planeswalker
0: yep okay. i will say uh in defense of raf capuchin comboing with these instant speed Urza's ruinous blast is awesome okay
1: yeah they are legendary I, instants I, with raf capuchin
0: i have done that before in limited and it is it's it's so cool anyway
1: yeah i mean this is the deck to do it right this is the historic deck
0: mm-hmm. yeah this is probably the one where you can do it the most effectively
1: so what are we running in this deck apart from
0: all the legendaries <laughs> well i guess we should probably run some normal stuff too pegasus courser again goes really well in this deck getting some of your stuff to fly over the top i like dauntless bodyguard uh one white for a two one human knight and when it comes in actually as it enters the battlefield so your opponent doesn't get to respond to it or anything you pick a creature and then you can sack the bodyguard to give the creature indestructible on the turn sweet effect
1: selfless savior anybody
0: yeah pretty much
1: we also have the age-old classic sarah angel in this format uh three white white for a four four flying vigilance angel um just super solid
0: Uh, i love sarah angel and also uh fun fact the sarah angel in this set i recommend if, if all you listeners out there look it up on your phone real quick gorgeous new art done by uh donato giancolo i actually met him at an art convention the coolest dude
1: oh wow that's pretty cool I don't think I knew that.
0: Yeah, I actually I didn't know he was going to be there. I was going to see some uh, some artwork being presented by my friends at a different part of the convention, and I walked by and I I thought I saw like magic looking art, and I went over. I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is th- this is Sarah Angel. I actually saw his sketches for this artwork. Oh, so that's really dope. really cool, dude. Yeah.
1: So it wasn't even a magic convention. It was just just an art
0: thing no no this is just some random art thing if i'd known i would have totally brought one of these sarah angels from the sign that's so maybe really cool. next time
1: all right so on to blue here we have you know honestly i had a hard time coming up with blue cards for this deck like there aren't um, there aren't a, like a ton of amazing flyers for this uh in, in blue particularly um you have things like academy drake which is a two and a blue for a two two flying drake uh at common with kicker four just four colorless um if Academy Drake was kicked, it enters the battlefield with 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it, so that's a 7-mana 4-4 four, four flyer. I think a mm-hmm. bit underrate, but still a, still a playable card. Yeah, um, it's
0: big and it flies. It'll kill you. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, you also have Cloud Reader Sphinx, which is 4 and a blue for a 3-4 flying Sphinx at common, and when it enters the battlefield, you scry 2. It's a serviceable card.
0: You have yeah, th- I'm a big fan of this one.
1: You have things like Blink of an Eye um, and Artificer's Assistant, but I kind of fell off at that point. Like, there aren't a ton of other great blue cards, I feel, for this deck that, that are super synergistic. There are other blue cards. You could play Opt. You could play um, Wizard's Retort, I suppose. I probably wouldn't put it in this deck, but you could do it. Um, mm-hmm. But also, Short Sword perfectly serviceable. It's an artifact, so Raf is going to do its thing with that. Um, it's one of the more playable equipments, I would say. It costs one to equip. It only costs one to play. Um, so, you know, you can suit up your your flyers and really uh take to the skies with this one
0: yeah i think you want to go into this when you've got some of the better rares or mythics that when you open them something like mirari conjecture or time of ice uh both really good in this deck
1: yeah you're not gonna pick up uh an academy drake and be like all right i'm in the skies deck
0: (laughs) yeah if you just try to play blue at skies it's fine but um There will be people doing more powerful things. That being said, like Sarah Angel is just a great card. So
1: Yeah, I think you really want to capitalize on the historic side of this deck, though, and Mm -hmm. use the flyers to kind of be the, the usherers of those legendaries, you know. Like you have a target for on Sarah's wings, but on
0: Sarah's wings is what's doing the work. Yeah, sure. So next up, we've got another one of my all time favorites in this format blue black historic graveyard synergy type stuff so the signpost is rona disciple of gix i mentioned it earlier but i may as well talk again it's one blue black for a 2-2 human artificer legendary when rona enters the battlefield you can exile target historic card from your graveyard you can cast non-land cards exile with rona you can pay four tap exile the top card of your library so the play pattern of this is this is not a three drop usually not unless you are getting pressured and want to start you know playing out to the board usually you want to use this after you've already you know traded off or used one of your good historic cards something like a an eldest reborn or to a lesser extent like chainers torment any of these sagas or time of ice things like that or maybe if you traded off one of your rare legends like a Josu Vess or a Orgoros, the empty one this comes in exiles it and then the next turn, you get to just recast it, and you get all that value back. So this draws you one of your better cards in the deck, just by casting it and playing it normally. Then, if the game keeps going, you can start paying for to exile the top card, and you can cast non-land cards exiled with Rona. So this doesn't even have to be you know legendaries or historic cards. If you have just a vanilla three-three that you exile with Rona, you can play it. So you know it, it's kind of a Weird mana sync, card advantage engine, but you can do some really cool loops with this. Uh, for example, Eldest Reborn, to just get Rona back to come in and get Eldest Reborn back. It, it's a sweet archetype.
1: Yeah, for sure. You also have access to a number of other kind of cool cards that don't really have a home in other decks, such as Inbolus's Clutches, which is a 4-blue-blue blue for an in, uh Legendary Enchantment Aura. At Uncommon, you control Enchanted Permanent. Enchanted Permanent is legendary.
0: Yeah, control magic. Just sweet. But it's a control Uh, magic
1: that makes the creature you control synergize with your legendary stuff.
0: mm Mm-hmm. Super good. I also kind of like Final Parting in this deck. Now, Final Parting is not the best card in the world. It's three black black for a sorcery. You search a library for two cards. One goes to hand, one goes to graveyard. In a lot of formats, this would be absolutely too slow. For example, this is unplayable in M21. But in this set, where you can you know, clog the ground a little bit with some decent creatures and your opponent's probably not attacking you that hard, you can tutor for say, Rona, and I don't know, your Mythic Saga, or um, your uh, Belzenlock, or Yagmon's Vile Offering, or something like that. Put one into the Graveyard, and then put Rona into your hand, so you get Rona and a bomb. Bomb goes to graveyard. Rona goes to hand. Next turn, cast Rona, get the bomb. It's just a little bit of you know small card advantage, but you know I, what I like about this format is compared to M twenty one, where the, the synergies are small and you are trying to get this tiny tiny incremental advantages. This is huge. Like this is this is sweet. This is a great play.
1: Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that that they put this. You may cast non land cards exiled with her effect on a legendary creature, because I could mm-hmm. see some real weird rules shenanigans where can you cast legendary sorceries with this, can you not, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, they, they threw it on a legendary,
0: so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. So, also, there's some good black historic-type synergies with this deck. Cabal uh, Paladin. It's a 4-mana four 4-2. Four a little flimsy, but whenever you cast a historic spell, it deals 2 damage to each opponent. This thing can realistically hit your opponent for 6 damage just without attacking. Which is pretty solid for a 4 power for 4 mana creature. Lingering Phantom, 6 mana for a 5-4. Not a great rate, but whenever you cast a historic spell, you can pay a black. If you do, return Lingering Phantom from Graveyard to Hand. Late game card advantage, that kind of thing is perfect. Uh, I also put Deathbloom Thalad in here because... This is one of the better ways to establish a board presence. It's also basically an auto-include in every black deck. Oh, totally. Definitely one of the the better black commons. That's Probably the best black common creature that's, you know, the removal spells have it beat out, but also Yargle. You know, Yargle's a great way to trigger the legendary and historic clauses here. Also, a relic runner finds a home here. That's one in the blue for a 2-1 human rogue. Can't be blocked if you've cast a historic spell this turn. So, for example, you can go turn 2 Relic Runner, turn 3 Rona, and start like, getting in for a slightly more aggressive slant. And mm-hmm. also something, you know, the usual blue staples like Deep Freeze, the Aura that turns something into a 0-4 Defender, and Divination. These have a home here just because you're playing this blue-black control-y style anyway. Right.
1: Yeah, this is the other big historic deck um, that you really want to focus on historic synergies especially if you can pick up the rona um the deck still functions without rona you don't need her but she boosts the power like she spikes the power level of the deck pretty hard
0: mm-hmm. for sure
1: all right next up is my personal favorite deck in the format green black saprelings, and ben i love this deck it's so so awesome and it has so many different silly little flavor wins um, oh,
0: yeah. Th- this one is sweet.
1: So, our signpost on common is Slimefoot the Stowaway. I one, love this guy. He's so awesome. <laughs> it is so awesome, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> one black green for a 2 3 legendary creature, Fungus. Whenever a, a sapperling you control dies, Slimefoot the Stowaway deals one damage to each opponent, and you gain one life. And then it has an activated ability of four colorless, create a 1 1 green sapperling creature token. So, you're not really looking to spend four mana to make one 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 that's kind of a terrible rate yeah. but this deck actually does that relatively frequently mm-hmm. it's a great late game mana sink and you're just chomping those away to drain your opponent and it, it lets you survive for a super long time while also actively killing them or i suppose passively killing them um <laughs> and i don't know also the artwork is amazing
0: Oh, yeah. So, All the Thalids. I love the Thalid-Sapperling theme that's, you know, running around on Dominaria for the past however many years.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. And so, what does this deck look like? Well, if the card says Fungus on it, you're running it in this deck. You've got Deathbloom Thalid, which makes Sapperlings and is a fungus itself. Um, you have Thalid Omnivore to eat up a bunch of those Sapperlings. Fungal Infection to kill off an early creature uh, from your opponent's side of the board and also make you a sapperling. Uh, Thalid Soothsayer, which gives you some card advantage for those sapperlings. You have cards like Fungal Plots, which is a an enchantment, which is one and a green, and it has pay one and a green and exile a creature card from your graveyard. You create a 1-1 green sapperling creature token. So when you lose your Deathbloom Thalid, you can turn it into another 1-1. Um, and then you can sacrifice two sapperlings to gain two life and draw a card. That's also some great card advantage. Uh, and it's an enchantment, so you can just keep doing that. As long as you can generate sapperlings, you can keep doing that. Of course, you have Oh,
0: sp- it's total nonsense. I love fungal plots.
1: Oh, yeah. It's it's amazing. Um, they're not really great in multiples, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, snatch one while you can and and build around. Um, yeah. sapling migration, of course, is amazing in this deck. You have Spore Swarm, which is three and a green for an instant that says create three one-one green sapperling creature tokens. You get the idea. You're, you're yeah. making all the all the sapperlings and Thalids you can um one of the biggest payoffs in this deck is spore crown Thalid, which is one and a green for <laughs> oh, a two two yeah. so it's a two mana two two but then it says each other creature you control that's a fungus or a sapperling gets plus one plus one so it's a fungus lord amazing
0: you-, you can't get better than that
1: yeah it's incredible um this deck can work really really well um i've s- i've literally never had to attack like I've had games where I didn't have to attack with this deck at all. I just <laughs> chump away, let my sapperlings die, make more saplings,
0: let them die and eventually my opponent just dies. Oh yeah, I totally believe it. That sounds a, about how that deck can play. And also it can attack too. That would Omnivore can be huge. Right, well that's like
1: that's like plan A, right? You want to be jamming with an Omnivore and having your opponent just take 3 because it doesn't want to they don't want to block or they can't afford to um eventually they'll have to chump it, but that threat of activation is huge on omnivore. And then eventually they have a way to kill the omnivore. You're just like, fine, I'll let my slime foot sit here and you can you can attack me or you cannot. And eventually you have like a board of sapperlings because they won't attack into them. And then you just mm-hmm. sack them away to fungal plots or you're om- another omnivore or something of that nature. Yeah. And then it if you, you get also... two slime foots or more, it's mm-hmm. just ridiculous.
0: <laughs> you also end up with this like aristocrat type feel where if you have like a blood artist out or something, you eventually get to a point where your opponent's at four and you just get to attack with your whole board because either your stuff gets in or it dies and kills your opponent anyway on the, on the death triggers. Right. Slimefoot does the same exact thing.
1: Yep. Um, and then, like I said, he also is just a mana sink late game. You can, even if you don't have anything coming, you're flooding out, just make some more Cyberlinks.
0: Yeah, and that'll buy you time and gain you life to get to the next stuff
1: yeah overall my favorite form my favorite deck in the format it's a lot of fun was pretty easy to draft early on with the bots i'm not expecting to see it too frequently uh, with players because it was one of the better decks in the format but i'm sure going to try to force it a few times
0: yeah that's right so what what effects do you think we'll see from human players with this this format
1: well you don't have the downsides of the bots such that they're passing specific cards all the time like you could pretty pretty reasonably pick up slimefoots with the bots, um, mm-hmm. and thalid. I think the Deathbloom thalid went around pretty quickly as well, or pretty yeah. frequently. Um, I don't know. I think I think we're gonna see a lot of the weaker decks come come to be more popular because um, the bots aren't passing all the really awesome cards, and you know draft mm-hmm. is self correcting. So as people pick up those really awesome cards, you might be able to put together a really really solid white red deck, for instance. Um, yeah it's true but I'm excited to get back into it
0: yeah yeah I'm very much looking forward to drafting this online I want to see how the historic stuff kind of balances out because sometimes you would just snap up every single legend you'd get past bots don't have the same love of legendary cards that humans do I don't think so maybe they took it they would take other correct picks over it but you know when someone sees I don't know a baron steward of argives are like whoa this thing has a cool border i want to try it out a lot of people that are slightly more inexperienced at draft will just want to take this stuff to see how it goes so i think we'll be seeing less historic uh enablers
1: yeah those decks might be harder to put together i also expect to see at least early on i expect to see a lot of people playing those legendary sorceries not realizing that or maybe i mean i I suppose i should say i expect to see a lot of people drafting them but not being able
0: to (laughs) not not casting them
1: right because i think a lot of the newer players who have come along the game in the last few years are gonna get tripped up by that that um little catch on those cards
0: Mm -hmm. yeah this format is very deep there's a lot of very interesting things you can do and a lot of them are rare based so I, i definitely think this is a prince format agreed
1: relatively slower as we said stick to those mid-range control archetypes as best you can and hope to outgrind your opponent um mm-hmm. let's let's cover our picks for the top commons in each color I, we have a few discrepancies here so maybe we'll cover those we can we can speed through the um the things that we agree on and then we can touch on the few that we disagree on for sure okay so, so what do we got in white we have blessed light it's uh, four and a white for an instant at common uh, exile target creature or enchantment. It's just relatively unconditional removal and it hits some of the more uh, troublesome cards in the format, in the form of sagas and things like that, as well as just, you know, your big uh, creatures that you want to get rid of.
0: Yeah, th- this is just good. I think Pegasus Corsair and Gideon's Reproach are also up there. uh Davenant Trapper and Call the Cavalry are up there too, but this thing is just unconditional removal in a set where your opponent's best card is going to be like a 10 10. The bomb of some sort. You're going to want to have a few of these in your deck just to take care of that.
1: Yeah. Also, white doesn't really get removal like this very frequently, um, mm-hmm. so it, it's nice to see it. Um, in black, yeah. we have Eviscerate. Uh, both of us are, have Eviscerate as a top common in black. Three, mm-hmm. and a, uh, it's yep. three in a black for a sorcery to short target creature. Again, unconditional removal. In this case, it's four mana and it's easy to cast. Um, it's not an instant, but it's one of the best unremoval, uh, unconditional removal cards we've seen since, like, the cons block.
0: Yeah, th- this is my kind of chaff. You know, th- this is just great. It's going to kill anything. It's uncurve. Uh, you go two-drop, three-drop. This attack, perfect. Right.
1: At, in red, we have Shivenfire. Fire. Uh, we've covered that card enough. I don't think I, we really need to read it, but... It's um, Shock
0: that can also kill their five-drop. <laughs> What's not to love? Yeah, basically.
1: Okay, so... We have two colors we disagree on. That's blue and green. Do you want to give us your blue, your top comment in blue?
0: Yeah. So I've got Academy Drake. I really like this thing. This is again the three mana two two flyer that can be kicked for four, and it comes in with three counters on it. Or sorry, two counters on it. So three mana two two flyer, good. You'll put it in every blue deck. Seven mana four four flyer, good in the late game when you want a big flyer like your opponent has to spend something like a blessed light or eviscerate on that or it's just going to get them in the end
1: i I agree with you i think it's best at the three mana slot because ultimately sure they have to spend a blessed light or an eviscerate to deal with your four four maybe they might just have like a lyra or something Uh, sure that's a mythic but um, (laughs) yeah you know they it's just a four four like there are bigger creatures there aren't too many bigger flyers i'll give you that but at, at the end of the day even if they have to spend a blessed light or an eviscerate or something on it they're still ahead on mana
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know if my opponent's pointing a four mana spell at my seven mana spell i'm kind of sad about it
0: yeah that's true um so for me the, the flexibility of it that's
1: true no and and a three mana two two flyer is super solid and you're p- gonna put it in pretty much every blue deck
0: anyway yeah um, so, it, it, so that in, um, is awesome mm-hmm. it's great in top decks and this is why kicker is so good like you and your opponent are both empty-handed and you top deck your 3 mana 2/2 two, two flyer. In most formats they'll be like, okay, fine. They're probably going to be able to outrace this still. Well, what if instead it's a 4/4 four, four flyer? Now, maybe two or three cards in their deck can deal with it.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. Um I would say it's probably in my top 3 for blue commons, but mm-hmm. my my top common I have it. I have blink of an eye. Uh, it's that's a one in a blue for an instant with kicker, one in a blue and you return target non land permanent so to owner's hand. If it was kicked, you draw a card. I just think this is, like, I mean, it's kind of the best removal that blue gets, and it draws you cards. It just does everything I want to be doing. Um, so I, I <laughs> yeah, kind of like yeah, it better. Yeah,
0: bouncing things, drawing cards, cryptic commanding. I could have I guessed this. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. I think it's a little more efficient, and it, it does more of what you want to be doing, but... I can totally see an argument for Academy Drake.
0: Well, here's the thing. Let's say you're getting beaten down by my flyers and you blink of an eye, my Academy Drake. You know what I'm going to do? You're going to recast your Academy Drake. I'm going to recast it it as a (laughs) 4-4. I get it, I get it.
1: And yeah, blink of an eye is not a permanent solution to any problem. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, you know, it'll stall, say... Your eldest reborn from from getting back my planeswalker for two more turns or something like that.
0: Yeah, uh, it's good. It, change, it deals guess.
1: with more than just creatures. So I don't know. I, I think it's pretty solid.
0: Mm-hmm. How about green?
1: So for green, I have Land of War Elves, one mana, one, one, top mm-hmm. sad, green. You know, everybody knows it, everybody loves
0: it. Um, yeah, I can't really argue too much with that. Land of War Elves, like, I do love playing another land on turn one. But I'm gonna, gotta, I'm gonna go with Yavimaya Sapherd. Uh, this thing just does what the green decks want to do best: slows the opponent down. It trades for like other three jobs if you want to double block, and it also helps to go wide for the red or the green white deck. And it also just sticks around and makes some saplings and funguses for the black green deck. Like I- I'm okay taking a Yavimaya Sapherd pretty early. I think I'd rather take one of those like second or third pick than a land elf. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I I have sapper at second, uh, common for green, in this format. I just think Land War Elves helps helps all the kicker decks. It's gonna help the green black decks anyway. It's gonna help the red green decks because ramping is just something that you want to be doing in this format. So I think if I were given a pack that has Land War Elves and Yavi Mai Sappord, say pack one pick one or something, and those were I was between the two, I'd probably take Elves before I take the Sappord. Yeah, but I also uh, yeah, like I love the the fungus deck, so maybe I would take the Sapper at first. I don't really know.
0: It's probably pretty close. Getting to go big in this format is pretty good. Agreed, uh,
1: Ben. We have a couple of Mythic uncommons here for this format. Do you want to run us through those real quick?
0: Yeah, so I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start talking about some of the the most impactful cards in the set, and one of them it doesn't really fit into any of these decks specifically so we haven't mentioned it yet and that's because it fits into all of them that's icy manipulator icy is disgusting
1: <laughs> yeah there's literally not a deck in the format that wants to avoid this card
0: mm-hmm. um, uh, every deck is happy yeah
1: every deck is happy to play this
0: yeah so this is four for an artifact for generic you pay one tap it to tap an artifact creature or land
1: this is that's this it is yeah
0: it's amazing so tapping down your opponent's artifacts and creatures, that'll, it, this is essentially a removal spell in that way. The uh, real sling their... says, ouch. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's pretty bad when you tap out for your 8 drop and then your opponent plays an Icy. And that's the thing, it works with the game too. If your best card at the moment is a 3-mana three 3-3, three, three, Icy will tap that down. Then when you play your 5-5, five, five, Icy will just start tapping your 5-5 five, five instead. So it's super flexible, it changes with the game, It's pretty much a permanent removal spell for whatever the best thing on your opponent's side is, which is fantastic. Right. And And as uh, you say, uh, it scales, which is just ridiculous. And every once in a while, you'll get to use it for aggression too. So you can tap something on their end step, untap, tap another creature, swing for lethal. Or it can keep you alive. It's good when when you're behind, good when you're ahead. Um, Occasionally, your opponent will get mana screwed and you tap down their lands on their upkeep because you're just a bad person. Um, it does it all
1: yeah for sure
0: um, so next up what do we got
1: yeah next up we have on sarah's wings we've talked about it a few times but it basically turns anything into a baby bane angel or maybe even a bigger <laughs> bane angel depending on what you're targeting with this yeah um, in any case it's a build your own bane and it's just remarkable i mean in most formats you tend to shy away from auras because you know getting two for one sucks and it's uh generally not worth the risk because you're you're mm-hmm. putting a bigger target on your your creature when you do that on sarah's wings it's just worth it it yeah. does so much for one card it's five mana it's it's just yeah it just does the thing it does everything you want to be doing if you're in
0: white and you should be playing it yep it is great uh finally i put time of ice i don't know if this is i don't know if i call it a truly mythic uncommon but it is a big groan when you see it come down it ends more games than I think any other card in the set, uh, just instantly when it's when it's cast. Um, and it's very difficult to beat or play or grind through. So when it comes in, uh, first of all, it's a saga, three and a blue. Chapter one and two, tap target creature and opponent controls. It doesn't untap during its controller's untap step as long as you control time of ice. And then chapter three, return all tap creatures to their owner's hands. So this Makes it extremely difficult to attack because then your stuff will get bounced. This synergizes with other tapping things because then that stuff gets bounced. This is a huge tempo swing for just four mana, and getting to rebuy this will almost always win you the game. Right.
1: So, basically, the play pattern with this is you you play it, you tap down some creature of theirs. Uh, the next turn, you tap down some other creature of theirs, and then they can attack in between, but at the Uh, by by the time it's getting to your third turn if they attack that turn they you bounce their board basically um so time of ice bounces anything that's tapped it doesn't have to be things that time of ice tapped Mm -hmm. uh which as ben is saying can be brutal it makes it's kind of like that whole argument with like math is for blockers like this just (laughs) makes you just you just you slam time of ice and then you're just like all right what are you doing opponent because i've got time and Ugh. you don't. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I guess they have time, to Time of but,
0: ice, even, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
1: And you pair that with an icy manipulator, and you're off to the races.
0: <laughs> That's the dream. Uh, there's some other big stuff in this format, too. But we'll, we'll save this for in a little bit. I've got some other stuff to talk about first. So just some general tips and tricks for this format. Dominar is a very unique set. Uh, and I think there's some things we should go over before we send off everyone into the fray to just you know mess around with these ridiculously fun cards. So the first note that I have, last time we played with the old mulligan rule. So the last time we played Dominaria, we had the mulligan rule where you would go to six and then go to true. five and then scry. I don't think this impacts the format that much. It might make any particular two-card combos Slightly stronger, but I don't think any of them are worth mulliganing into. Yeah, that's I think it's I it, think it
1: might it might skew the format to be slightly more aggressive, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to do anything drastic.
0: Yeah, it's possible. It, it makes it so that the average hand quality is just slightly better. Um, I think that's about it. Maybe it doesn't really. It might improve the more aggressive stuff like wizards. Yeah, but you know, wizards is already pretty good we'll see uh, i'm interested to see what happens with that
1: yeah next up um esper historic is kind of where you want to be as we mentioned the blue white deck is and the uh blue black deck are the only two decks that historic really uh gets paid off for um so naturally if you put them together you just have you know the world is your oyster that said it's kind of hard to splash in this format you do have the rare lands which are great um and there's an another cycle of i think there's a There's a cycle of mono lands at uncommon. I don't think we... Did Did we get duels at common in this format?
0: No, we did not.
1: Yeah, so splashing is pretty hard. There aren't really any good rocks either. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of the bigger bombs tend to have double-pipped colors. But games do go long. So, you know, if you find yourself with two really good bombs that you can technically splash one of them, probably don't be too afraid to do so. Because... Mm -hmm you're going to you're you're likely going to get to the the lands you need plus if you're in green you can just stall and ramp and and do all the things you need to do to get to your spot. yeah car.
0: there's skittering surveyor in the set which lets you that's you true have a land or two also ready soapbox time this is where we first met navigator's compass oh that's true it. yeah Ooh. all right this is a this is a card not really, it's not a card. So when it enters the battlefield, you gain three life, just cost one mana, it's an artifact. Until you can tap it, until end of turn, target land you control becomes a basic land of any type in addition to its other types. Do not play this. It's so bad. Yeah, it's a trap. <laughs> Discarding a card for the occasional fixing, it's not worth it at all. They, that that's it. It's like you mulligan to make one of your lands slightly better. Nope. No thanks. Bad. Don't yeah, play it.
1: Yeah, there are a few cards like this um, in this format. I think uh, what, the prismatic one is also like this.
0: Mm. Yeah, th- um, there's other stuff that looks like this sometimes. And sometimes those are better because they draw a card. If this said draw a card on it, it'd be, it'd be good. Maybe even great. So you could splash all sorts of nonsense. It doesn't draw you a card. Don't play it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Avoid these weird sort of uh different di- the the quote unquote different mana fixing. there are a few cards in this f- in the format that are like that. Almost none of them are worth it. Just just avoid mm-hmm. them.
0: Yeah. So a lot of the big bombs in this set are kinda your haymakers. So Dracuseth, uh Moltani, Moldrotha, uh Lyra Dawnbringer some of the big sagas, uh, like Frexian scriptures, mending of Dominaria. These are all game-ending threats. And history first, picking banalia. one of these, yeah, history banalio. These can all end the game very quickly once they're they're put on the stack. So I recommend picking those up when you can and just going nuts with them. This isn't like M twenty one where you know you're just going to look for the best common in the pack and take it because it's going to be better than the rare. Build around some of the rares. Uh, if you hit, pick up a history of banalio, take a bunch of knights like call the cavalry that kind of thing some of these are traps the first eruption doesn't really do much uh i mean antiquities war is a constructed plant follow the thren says destroy all lands but they all come back so doesn't really do much you're better off sticking with the ones that can win the game but mess around with them all because it's all kind of fun
1: yeah also if you pick up a dracoseth early keep your eye out for soul salvage there's some, some silly shenanigans that'll let you get a Dracosith out pretty early if you can pick those
0: up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's good. Uh, oh, let's talk about the cycles. So, sure. we already mentioned the cycles of legendary sorceries. Those, you know, I think we said enough on. Play them when it's very possible that you'll be able to cast them reliably. Otherwise, don't play them at all. Yeah. Next, we have the triple color, triple casting cost pips. I what do you call these
1: yeah they're they're monocolor cards that all cost three mana but they're three of the colored mana in their respective colors um so for instance you'll have you have the blue one is blue 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 the white one is white 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 etc etc um all of them are, yeah. are are quite good uh especially mm-hmm. tempest gin which is the blue one um it, what is it it's a it's a star four and its power increases for each it's a, it, it's power equals the number of islands you have i think yeah, exactly. And uh, Banalish Marshall is mm-hmm. the white one. He's a lord and
0: I think a 3-3 and he's just really good. Yeah, even Dreadshade. Uh, black, black, black for a 3-3. You can pay a black and pump it 1-1. Yeah. And Goblin Chain Whirler people might recognize. Oh yeah, 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 Chain Whirler. Same with Steel Leaf actually. That, those, all, honestly, all of these They're except all, really good. all All the Dreadshade's all like pretty good standard play
1: yeah agreed the Red Shade did have a deck though when the when the five color black deck came out
0: oh that's ch- right chromatic that black yeah a chromatic black right yeah. but well um, um something about these cards that i think is worth noting you might look at the casting cost and kind of roll your eyes and think this is never going to be out in the battlefield but when these games go till turn eight nine ten when that's you know going to be happening every game it kind of has the same drawback as a uh, what is it? Is it Sarah Avenger? Yes, yes. It it's
1: a one-one that that gets becomes like a five-five or whatever. Oh no, I think I'm I'm thinking of the other you one. You can only um, cast it after turn three.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's the it's white white for a three-three flying vigilance or something, and it, you have to cast it on turn three or later. So people use vial to put it into play, stuff like that. Think yeah. of this the kind of same way. Um, it appears my wait no there it is my internet is back. Uh, yeah, Sarah Avenger. You can't play it on the first, second, or third turn of the game. This is kind of like that. Uh, and if you any that like that clause to any of these, I think they're still very good. So a Steel Leaf Champion coming down on turn, say, four or five, once you've hit your three forests, that's still really good. That's a three mana five four. Or even something like a Tempest Gin. On turn seven or eight, this might be a five four flyer for three mana. Just because it's not happening on turn three doesn't mean that it's not good at that point in the game.
1: Agreed, especially because all of them scale. Well, I guess Chain Whirler doesn't scale too well, but mm. all the other ones scale very well. Like, Jin is just going to get bigger the longer it waits. Um, yeah. The, the Marshall is going to pump more creatures if you have more creatures out. You know, the, they all get big. Also, if you're in green, look to pick up the Sea Leaf Champion, like, really aggressively because um it's not on it's not unheard of t- even if you're not playing mono green to get him out on 3 uh with the 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 elves and things the different dorks you can
0: you can reliably get him out pretty early mm-hmm. yeah and, and then every once in a while like you said you will just have this on turn 3 like imagine dreadshade turn 3 <laughs> like you're yeah, going your to, to do with that, that? it's a three like, ma- it, it, th- it's
1: a turn well i guess it's a turn 477 seven.
0: that's terrifying yeah, yeah, it's it'll it'll work. Um, we talked about the sagas already. Let's talk about some of the the bigger legends, some of the uh, random little bombs here and there, stuff like <laughs> Evra Halcyon Witness. Actually, this kind of ties right into my, our next uh, thing, which is combos. So this set is full of really cool combos, things that uh, you wouldn't expect to work, but this format is slow enough that you can always you <laughs> make them work. For example, kicking a Josu Vess. You got time for that. It works. That's not really a combo, but anyway. Combos. Evera Halcyon Witness. So this is 6 mana 4-4 four four lifelink. You can pay 4 to exchange your life total with Evra Halcyon Witness's power. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wacky. I st- I'm still laughing at it These two years later. It- it's so stupid. But- yeah,
1: it's like you play this on 6... And I guess you, you're, you're not likely to have 20 life at that point, but what, it, it becomes a 15-4? And then you yeah. somehow can... You gain life, and then you can swap again and make it even bigger, and then yeah. continue so, this so swap to make your life total get ridiculously high.
0: Yeah, yeah. The play pattern of this is you have basically one small moment where your life total is 4 right before it deals damage, and then the moment ever it deals damage... Now you have like 15 life linking power, so then you're back up to a high life total. Uh this is a combo, but it's I guess it's um more of a combo for your opponent. I guess it's more of an interaction. If you can befuddle an ever Halcyon Witness with the trigger on the stack, your opponent's life total goes to zero. Oh yeah. Yeah, it does. So that's just a little a little note. Um also, similarly, you want to find ways to pump Evra, because the bigger it is, the lower chance of that happening. Uh, Shalai works with pretty much everything. That, that, yeah. that's, that's all I had to say on that one. Um, Marwin the Nurturer and uh, some of the other green rares aren't the best. You really want to get something like Verdant Force, or uh, what's the other, the other big, t- tall one? Thorn Elemental. Those are the uh, the big seven drop end the game ones. In green, you have a uh, Gaea's Protector. So this is three and a green for a four two. Must be blocked if able. Not not great. You, you have
1: know. a in green. You have um, territorial territorial Allosaurus, one of my favorite green cards in the format. It's two green green for a five five with kicker two and a green. So baseline, it's a four mana five five. And when mm-hmm. it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, it fights another
0: creature. You didn't even let me finish my combo. I know. I I'm right.
1: sorry. I just, I was looking at these cards and Allosaurus <laughs> jumped off. I, and I, I know. was just like, oh, man. I missed man.
0: Allosaurus too. But have you ever dubbed a guy as protector?
1: No, I haven't. I actually almost never played dub, which I probably should try out sometime.
0: Oh, yeah. It's actually a lot worse in this format than it is M21. This is the format that made everyone kind of think, oh, dub? Not that good. If you dub Gaius Protector, you've got yourself a 6-4 first strike, must be blocked to Fable. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. I have lost to this, this little synergy many times. It is very good. Um, Some other little things. Red Black has some sacrifice effects. Keldon Overseer, for example. Uh, 3 mana, 3-1 three, Haste. Or you can kick it for 4 additional, and when it comes in, you gain control of a creature your opponent controls, untap it, and it gains haste. And then if you've got, you know, somehow a sacrifice outlet laying around after you've already paid 7 mana that turn, which can happen, you can steal and sack their creature. Yep. Let me see. Is there anything else? Uh, those are all the main combos that I remember. Some other big bombs. Helm of the Host. Uh, <laughs> it 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 looks a lot like cards that don't work but this one does so this is four mana for a legendary artifact equipment at the beginning of combat on your turn you make a token that's a copy of the equipped creature except it isn't legendary if the equipped creature is it gains haste and it's equipped five so with this card you want to look for high power three drops maybe even legendary three drops uh, or ones that have good etvs or death triggers so the joke is you go three drop turn four you play helm turn five you equip helm and then that, that's kind of it yeah <laughs> every turn you make a copy and it doesn't get sacrificed on end step it doesn't exile itself it doesn't like it, disappear it's just there it's there for good yeah um
1: also worth mentioning um if they kill the original target like the the creature that helm the host is on you don't lose those tokens uh, so mm-hmm. you can always just reequip helm and and keep the chain going. Yeah, um, you don't have to equip a non-token creature, so you know you just just have at it. <laughs>
0: yeah, pretty much. I think those are all the uh, the bigger bombs in the set. There's planeswalkers and stuff too, Teferi and Karn. Everyone knows what those do. I think that's a that's about it for this set. It, it, it's fun oh wait wait one one tiny synergy i forgot traxos i was just looking
1: at traxos i
0: was i was gonna say traxos traxos scores recruit you can get that to work based on his thing so this is a four mana seven seven trample he's a legendary artifact creature it enters the battlefield tapped and doesn't untap during your untap step but whenever you cast a historic spell you untap traxos so if you play like a short sword traxos untaps you swing for seven trample and then it stays tapped until you play, I don't know, an Icy or a joyous Familiar or something. But if only there was a way to untap it every turn. Wait a minute, Voltaic Servant is in the set. That's two mana for a 1-3 at the beginning of your end step, untap target artifact. There you have it. If you happen to get Traxos, make sure you pick up a few of those little Voltaic Servants.
1: Yeah, it's interesting too, because Traxos is just a rare, like he's not a mythic or anything, and Voltaic Servants are common, and nobody mm. wants to play them unless you're <laughs> playing Traxos. Or you're yeah, trying exactly. to do some weird shenanigans with like Thran Temporal Gateway or something.
0: Yeah. Oh, one more, man. You see, I'm just pouring over the spoiler page, and it's all flooding back to me. Sorcerer's Wand is a late game kill condition for Wizards. So it's a one mana equipment, it has tap to deal one damage to target player or planeswalker. If it's a wizard, it deals two damage to that player or planeswalker instead, and it has equipped three. So a common play pattern with this is on turn, I don't know, 10 with wizards. You'll bounce this between like three or four of your wizards and just tap to deal eight to your opponent. Yeah. It's good it stuff. It helps finish games up. All right now I think I've covered everything that I wanted to say about this set
1: <laughs> yeah just just have fun with it like it's it's a crazy format it goes super deep and there are gonna be so many synergies like like we're gonna I think we only have the format for what two weeks one week something like that
0: it's like a week or two it's not gonna be long enough whatever it is
1: yeah there are gonna be things you're gonna see at the end of the two weeks and you're gonna wish you had more time with this format because it is a riot um -hmm. it's just super deep there's so many combos and so many synergies that you can find that aren't super surface level like you have to do some work to find some of them but they're really cool and um yeah this format's a blast
0: what are you most looking forward to doing in return to dominaria sapperlings
1: i I just want (laughs) to i just want to spam sapperlings all over the battlefield and uh play as many slime foots in one deck as i can (laughs) nice
0: how about you? I think I'm I'm looking forward to kicking Caligo Skinwitch.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, Skinwitch. I forgot about Skinwitch. That's <laughs> yeah, a good, super skin solid Witch. card too. I think that was one of the higher black commons you could get your hands on towards the end of the Dominaria life cycle.
0: Oh yeah. 15 skin witches, 15 vicious offerings. That's a deck right there. There you go. And
1: 10 lands. <laughs> Sounds great.
0: Uh, I actually think one of the, the things I'm most looking forward to is a uh, Moldroth of the Gravetide. Muldrotha i love moldrotha yeah starting with a moldrotha and then figuring out how to maximize the number of permanents she, she lets you replay permanents of each type from your graveyard so figuring out how to get lands into my graveyard and then also um like maybe find an artifact i think blood tallow candle is mm-hmm. a, a removal spell it's also a cheap artifact figuring out ways to loop things and i mean i'd also be lying if i said i i wasn't looking forward to um uh, what, what's that uh that stupid black rare the uh the life gain one
1: lich's mastery i want to play that lich's card. mastery <laughs> i want to play that card I, so much i love that card
0: i had lich's mastery in one of my first ever drafts of this format back when you know drafts in person were a thing and like legal and safe and whatnot mm-hmm. uh, but i remember i had a lich's mastery deck with like four wind grace acolytes which Mill oh, and gain life, both of the things that Lich's Mastery cares about. It was amazing. Yeah,
1: it's. I'm. I'm gonna have a blast with this. It's gonna be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm also looking forward to seeing what our viewers come up with too. So make sure you show us all the cool stuff you come up with in uh in Dominaria.
1: Yeah, I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. And um as always, you can pick us up or or talk to us, contact us at uh, on on Twitter at DraftChaffPod or myself directly at Uh You can find Ben at Betafish1. And uh, once again, self so, uh, shameless plug, hit up that Patreon at patreon.com slash draftchaffpod, or check out the Twitter account for our Discord server. Um, as always, just uh, keep drafting, and uh, let us know how things are going with your dominary drafts. We're excited. Yeah see yeah. (laughs) all
0: right i I don't
1: know if i have time for a sign-off today so i think we can just end it there unless you have something quick
0: are we still recording yeah is this the sign-off sounds like it so the sign-off is the fact that you don't have time for a sign-off seems like it it?
1: math checks out you're
0: saying we should cut it off soon Probably. probably Let's consider what our viewers are going to think of that. I don't know. We've been establishing some pretty good sign offs recently. I don't know if we can just like change it up and not do a sign off for once. But I think we should sit down and have a nice two to three hour conversation about the philosophy of the sign off.
1: Well, this episode alone is two hours long, so.
0: All right. I guess we can stop. <laughs> <laughs>